Well, we're going into the Word of God this morning, and um, we're in uh, the new year, right on the on the cusp of the new year. And Lord willing, tonight, many of us will. I'm going to usher it in, probably in my bed with my eyes closed, just so you know. There was a day and age I used to stay up for those things and be all excited about that, and now I I kind of realize the year just flew by so fast, and it just uh, that's the way things go. But um, uh, if you do stay up and usher in the new year, it'll probably feel a little bit like the old year. It's hard to say, uh, but there's certainly a lot of um, looking back that we do at the end of a year, and we look ahead at a new year, a year that uh, could be a year we, we live for the Lord and do many things for Him and, and grow in His grace and knowledge. I hope that's your prayer. I hope that's your uh, really resolution more than anything today. Well, we're in the book of Ephesians, and I've been here before in this section, but Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm just going to look at three verses this morning, Um, not just three verses, but in the the book of Ephesians, that's what we're looking at, and we're going to look at this as our main text. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and he says this, Ephesians 5, 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for your word, and we're thankful for the time in which we live, and the time that we are gathered here, even on these days and times that we set apart to learn of you and to worship you as a body of Christ. And Lord, we ask even now that we might just redeem the time that is before us and learn from the time that is behind us and live for you, O God. We thank you for that hope of heaven where time is no longer a hindrance and, Lord, no longer a help either. It is timeless in eternity. And we look forward to that time, Lord, but for now... We ask, Lord, you teach us and open up your word to us as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. We have here uh, this sort of exhortation of Paul when he talks about uh, very, he says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And I think that's good instruction. I like Eugene Patterson's translation of this in the message. I don't often quote from the message, but it's, if you want to kind of understand how this was uh, understood in the Koine Greek. Um, this is kind of the, the, it's not a paraphrase, it's a translation, but it's with the meaning behind it. And he says this, so watch your step. Use your head. Make the most out of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. I like that. I, I really think, and as I was reading that in that version, I said, wow, you know, there's some points there that I could just pick out and, and go with, and that's what I've done this morning in looking at that. And we're going to look at this, um, these three verses that implore us to redeem the time. And we live in desperate times, do we not? I know. If you look out there, and I think last week I, I started my message talking about those desperate times I'm not going to revisit. I'm not a pessimist by nature. I tend to be an optimist, probably to my fault. Um, and, and sometimes I can be a pessimist too. 
Um, but I, I will say that uh, as we look out, it, it's not good. <laughs> Just so you know, in the geopolitical world, and in, in you know uh, the, the you know whether it, you know we have what last week a whole bunch of people out of power in the state of Maine, all of that. Many of them have their power back. Uh, there's a lot of problems that go on, and things we can control, things we can't control economic problems, relational problems. I mean, there's lots of things. We live in desperate times. We live in times where people don't know what's right and what's wrong morally. They have, they're awash in relativism, and, uh, and, and that's something that is affecting all of us, whether you know these things or not. Well, we're going to just look at some points this morning. And the first one that Paul talks about is to watch your step. Watch your step. That's what the word circumspectly or walk circumspectly means. The word uh, circumspectly is a, is a word that I, the idea of, of walking with your eyes open, looking around, you know. The Greek word means to be careful, to walk carefully, to walk with purpose. And I often think of it as something that if you were to go out and having to walk in a dangerous situation, um, that you would be very careful of what you do. Uh, I'm reading a, a book called Facing the Mountain by Daniel uh, James Brown, who uh, he also wrote The Boys in the Boat and, and a few other uh, really good books that he put together. But one, this one is about the uh, Japanese-American heroes of World War II. And initially, many of the Japanese-Americans uh, and those that were ethnically Japanese were interred in camps, and some remained there for a good portion of the, the conflict of World War II simply because they were of Japanese origin and Japan was our enemy. And uh, bad things are done sometimes in desperate times, right? And many of them were very loyal Americans. And when the military finally opened up uh, the, well, really, they opened up the draft to them, but also service, that most of them volunteered, the young men of fighting age volunteered to go in. And uh, there were amazing things that the uh, units that were comprised mostly of the Japanese Americans did on behalf of our country. And they fought some of the hardest battles that were fought in World War II, especially in Italy. And I was reading uh, in one chapter recently talking about one young man whose job it was to go and to walk through the minefields that the Germans had laid as they withdrew across the mountains in Italy. And he would have to go into these areas sometimes at night and he would use just a few implements that he had in his hand to feel ahead of him for every step that he took because, um, you know, you could potentially step on a mine and not only kill yourself but kill the men that were with you. And that was his primary job to do that. And you can imagine just the stress of that. And he had seen dear friends and, you know, companions there um, die by stepping on mines or not paying attention the germans laid piano wire across roads and they would do it at neck height so that when someone drove into them it would it would cut them and terrible things that were going you had to always be paying attention and looking and when you didn't that's when you did something foolish and i think of that verse when paul writes walk circumspectly this world is filled with all kinds of minefields. Not only physical things that can do us damage, right? But spiritual things. We are in a battle that is a spiritual battle. And it also takes a toll on us emotionally. It does all that. And we're to walk carefully with our eyes open. 
not just as fools, as he says, fools walk haphazardly, they go out and run right through the minefield, and then boom, you wonder what happened. Well, you're living foolishly, maybe consumed with something you thought was more important at the time. And I think as a believer, as a Christian, we ought always to be the people who have our eyes open the most. Some would say, oh, becoming a Christian, you've, you've, uh, you've been brainwashed. And, and, and you know, you guys, um, you don't see things right, you know, right? You know, no, <laughs> it's just the opposite. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, your eyes are opened, your understanding has been opened. You no longer are only walking in the course of this world in darkness, really. Even though we say we're enlightened, we're really not. We're getting darker and darker. But as a Christian, your eyes of understanding can be opened to see things as Christ sees them. And he's given us this book, the Bible, to light our path in that. Oh, I'm thankful for that. I like what Proverbs 27, 12 says, A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. And that's just a simple principle, right? Uh, that a foolish man just goes out and he does whatever he wants and he is punished for it, right? Sometimes called up short rather quickly because of his actions. But a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. Again, Patterson in his translation puts, a prudent man, uh, a prudent person sees trouble coming and ducks. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) He ducks. You know, there's a lot of stuff flying our way, isn't there? And if your eyes are open, you can duck. And you can do that. A simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. Wow. I don't think I could say it better than that. And be careful and be wise in that. We are to do that. 2 Timothy 2.25 says, In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Now, I have to tell you this, that when Paul's writing to Timothy, he's writing to a young pastor and he's telling him what he should do, like preach the word, right? Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He, he does all kinds of things. Be a good student, right? Study to show thyself approved unto God. Um, and you, you have this instruction and encouragement from the Apostle Paul to a, a, a believer who is a leader. But I think the application is for all of us, isn't it? And there are people walking in this world, and they're walking through minefields, both spiritually and physically, and they don't even realize what they're doing. We have the knowledge of God, or we should anyways, and we should know the will of God. That's part of Ephesians 5.17, right? And we are to know these things, and as we do that, um, we are to, to correct others in humility. Problem is, a lot of times we don't like to correct people in humility. We do so in pride. We correct ourselves by saying, uh, or we correct others by saying, boy, if you were like me and you were good, right? Now that's the attitude that comes across. Or if you knew what I knew, and let me show you my 10 Bible verses, it'll prove it. And we, we do those kind of things. And as we do that, um, we don't do it in humility. Humility is going and correcting somebody and imploring them by doing so with the understanding as Paul says elsewhere in Corinthians he says let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall and you who are spiritual renew such a one in the spirit of meekness lest you also be tempted and I am reminded 
that except by the grace of God and the submission to him, which is a daily thing, we are capable, even as Christians, of doing the worst of things and doing the things that can just destroy not only our testimony, but the work that goes on. And it's a, it's a constant battle. And it's always a call. So walk circumspectly, he says, right? Understanding the times we live in and all of that. And he says, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Ultimately, it's the idea of knowing the truth that we want to convey to people. And how you do that, as Jesus um, you know, refers to the truth, and the truth will set you free. People are enslaved in sin, they don't even know it. Or they're headed down that road and you see it, and they don't even know where this will lead. And yet, the scriptures are clear to tell us what we ought to do. That they may know the truth. And by the way, we're to speak the truth in what? In love. In love. It ought to always be that way. And we live in a world today where it's every yelling voice, right? You know, you're against this or against that or for this or for that. And the guy who yells louder seems to be winning, you know, one way or the other, whoever it is. And in reality, we're to speak the truth in love. Sometimes that's with a softer voice. Sometimes it's with a firm voice. But making sure that you know you're loved. And there have been people, um, even in this room, that someone loved you enough to tell you that you were a sinner and that you were on your way to hell. And you understood that. And they didn't leave it there. There's a lot of people saying, go to hell. But you know what? There's only one that says, I'll rescue you from that. And that's Jesus Christ. And he promises with an everlasting love as he extends that. And you say, how much did Jesus love us? He loved us as far as the east is from the west. As far as, as casting crowns as one hand to the other, right? Wow. Oh, Lord, thank you for that kind of love. That died for me and rose again and is available for you and me today. Love people. That's part of it. How are you walking in this world? Watch out for landmines. Point number two use your head. Use your head. He says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And there's lots of And then again, in verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, right? But understand what the will of the Lord is. And I might say this way, that first and foremost, the the will of God is boiled down to a couple different things. I mean, there's lots of verses that actually spell out the will of God. This is the will of God for you, it says. And then you ought to read that and, and pay attention to that. And get in your Bible or... Or even Google it. Google sometimes gets things right. And, and if you Google will of God verses, you'll have a hundred verses right there. You know, look them up. Follow them out. Do that in your daily devotions. Do that kind of stuff. And, and search the scriptures and see what the will of God is. But you know, we're not to be unwise. And that means not only our head only in the Bible. Now, I'm not saying that that's, that's a good starting place, that's for sure. Without the Bible, you will not have a proper view of anything else. Without a biblical worldview, you will have a flawed worldview. And you wonder why so many today are running around and they, 
They have no meaning, no purpose for their life. They, they don't know where they're going. They don't know where they came from. There's no identity or they find only identity in themselves and not in someone better than themselves. And they're so lonely and hurt and heartaches and all the things and the, the, the turmoil of soul that goes on in so many. And, and I would boil a lot of it down to the lack of the knowledge of the will of God. Use your head. God gave you head. He gave you brain. Use it and be wise to the things that are out there as well. Not that you have to be infatuated with sin or those things. We're told not to do those things very clearly. That we're not even to be speaking of those things done in secret. But rather we're to be talking about the things that edify and build one another up. But that doesn't mean being unwise to them. In the Chronicles, it talks about the sons of Issachar. It says, of the sons of Issachar, Issachar, who had understanding of the times. (laughs) I am thankful for people who are believers who have understanding of the times that we live in. And and they didn't just come up with that on their own. They came up with it because it was filtered of looking at the times they live in through the word of God. And realizing what is right and what is wrong, what is clear and what isn't. And that there's a bigger picture in all of this. And we need that big picture. We need it. I think that it ought to be part of our thoughts. We're to understand those things. The, the psalmist writes, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. The law he's referring to is the word of God. And he's, there he is. Throughout the whole course of the day, he's thinking on these things. And by the way, what you put in the, you know, well, eventually comes up in the bucket. If you're putting the scriptures in your mind, it'll come out that way too. Get in the word of God. Often at the end of a year, looking at a new year, a lot of people make resolutions to, to, um, to read the Bible more. Um, even, even people who aren't particularly religious, if I might use that term loosely, uh, often look at that as something that would do them well or do them good, you know? And, and I think that deeper than that it is good it is proper i would say read the bible this year go through it if you don't have a reading plan i'll get one for you we have daily breads out there on the on the table and each one of those daily breads has a reading plan and if you go and take those uh four years that we have um that come out you know as far as their quarterly uh you have a reading plan for the whole year and just follow that through. Check them off if you want. Do whatever you have to. Go online again. Bible reading plan for a year. And you'll see several different kinds. There's the chronological kind of reading. Where you read the books in the order of chronology. There's ones that um, you know you read New Testament, Old Testament, same day. Others, opposite days. Things like that. And I would just say this. That generally if you read about three chapters in the Old Testament. And one in the New every day. You'll get through the Bible in a year. It's that simple. Do it. And you know, you'll marvelously discover what God can teach you. As only he can. More than I can or anybody else, God can do that. Oh, how I love your law. It is the, my meditation all the day. We're told not to be foolish or unthinkingly, I think was the adjective that was used in the message. And I think about that. You know, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
as as atheism becomes more and more popular, it seems, so is foolishness. You have to be a fool to say there is no God. You have to be a fool to say no to God. We need to make use of our time. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Make use of your time. That's important. Um, We only have so much time on this earth. We have only so much time in any given day. It's true. He goes on, and by the way, Paul emphasizes that idea of redeeming. The word redeeming is a... It's a financial term that means to buy something back. Um, we often use it also as the redemption, like for instance, redemption in Christ, right? Where he has bought us back from slavery, the slavery to sin, and the price of that was his vicarious life and death, right? He took my place at the cross. That's the gospel. But part of that is the redemption message, properly used. But Paul says also, redeem the time. That means make full use of the time. You can never go back and buy back time you didn't use. But you can make use of the time that you do have. In the book of Colossians, he says the same thing. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. You know, there's people outside the faith that are looking at you, and they are wondering how you spend your time. And often as we look at one another and see how we spend our time, we know where our hearts are. Thank you for being here on a Sunday morning. For most people, probably in our society, it's a good time to sleep in. Some of you too, I think. But anyways, that's... No. And I'm just kidding. But in reality, it's this. Make use of your time. Make sure you're doing that. Imagine if someone gave you $86,400 every day. $86,400. I'd like that. I mean, I'd like to try it anyways for a few days. Probably get in trouble with it. But let's just say every day I wrote you a check or gave you cash, even better, right? Uh, And said $86,400. Here it is. Oh, one stipulation. By the end of the day, when the sun sets, you have had to spend it or it just goes burn it. That's it. Do you know you've given, you're given 86,400 seconds in a day? Every one of us. The same account every day. 86,400 seconds. How are you using those? How are you using them for him? Because at the end of the day, we've all been credited the same amount of seconds. Some will use them more wisely than others. Be part of the group that's wise. Again, the psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I think as we wake up in the morning and we say, hey, I'm alive and I'm still, and that should be the minimum, right? Oh, I made it, you know. Maybe it is sometimes on some mornings. But in reality, it's another day to live for Christ. It's another day to glorify him in the things that I do. And we're told to walk wisely and, and redeeming the time for those that are without. But you know, we're also taught, and the scripture implores us to do the same for people within the faith. 
In Galatians 6.10 it says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, as if you know of a brother or sister that has a need, um, we ought to try everything we can do to help meet that need, a true need, you know? We ought to do that. Because it's part of what he says. And there are lots of opportunities to do that. They abound, too many sometimes, to meet all those needs. But if each one of us would share a little bit more in that, I think there would be less, wouldn't there? As we have opportunity. That's redeeming the time. We're to do that. What about working? Working. Some of you say, I'm at a job that just doesn't, it's just going nowhere. You know, I just show up, I get my paycheck. I do my minimum. Maybe that's all you're expected to do. Maybe that's all your heart really wants to do. I don't know. But you know, for the Christian, we have a higher standard than that. (laughs) And whatever you do, whether it's work or whatever, right? Do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Right? Do it as to the Lord. If you live by that, if I live by that, and I I hope you are trying as you look at that and you say, that makes my life worth meaning. Do the things only God sees maybe, but it will reward you in the sense of of doing those things. And I I love it when you go into um, a, a place that a carpenter has been and you, you get into a small crack or crevice or something like that after they've been there, and you see that the job is well done, and no one else will ever see that except you and the carpenter, maybe. That's it. But a good carpenter will do those kind of things and not hiding stuff, right? Everybody's heard about the nightmares of, of what sometimes bad contractors do and things like that. But those that are good, a Christian ought always be the one that does the best and even if no one ever sees that again except for you and and maybe the guy tears it down someday or whatever you know you did it right and everything should be like that our relationship should should be like that our you know we ought to to do all things heartily as unto god and not just to men i like that we need to do those things we're to exhort one another. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, and we were looking at this text on Wednesday night. Um, we've been going through the book of Jude, verse by verse, word by word, and just doing word studies mostly. And, and I've been going through the book of Jude, and in Jude 3, it says, exhort, <laughs> or that was what Jude had wanted to do, to exhort about contending for the faith. We looked at the word exhortation and the word exhort. What does that mean? There's a lot of exhortations in Scripture. One of them here, Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. You know one of the greatest and hardest things I find in my own life is the not wavering thing. I don't know about you. That means, you know, you're confident, but then then you're not. Or, Or you're victorious and then... You're not quite victorious. You know, those kind of waverings that go on. And I've discovered, as I surround myself with people that are good people, 
that are there. Some of you are in this room like that. You're, to me, you are the people that exhort me to press on and to do what I'm called to do and to walk with God. And that's what he says. For he who promised is faithful. That's referring to the Lord. And by the way, he's the only one that's 100% faithful all the time. Now, I'm not excusing unfaithfulness. But I think the just shall live by his faith. Not just our faith. And I'm glad Habakkuk 2.4 says that. The just shall live by his faith. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We do a lot of stirring up sometimes, but are you doing it for the right thing? Love and good works. When you are with somebody, when you leave, are they going to be a better person? Or are they going to be worse? Or... And part of discipling people, and that's what we're called to do, is be disciple makers. Because if someone told you about salvation, and you receive Christ by faith, it doesn't end there. We're, we're to walk with the Lord, we're to grow in Him, but we're also to make other disciples. And you will never make a disciple that will go further than you, and that's period. I mean, I just you'll never make another disciple who will go further than you. To go further than you, you have to be going further also, right? And what I'm getting at is, is if you are shallow in your faith, your disciples will be shallow in their faith. And that scares me. Because of the weight of that, as I look at it, I say, Lord, this is a serious thing that we walk with you this year and every day. He goes on to say, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Well, why would he say that? Is it because, you know, a Christian, a Christian um, has to be in church every time the door is open? Well, I, I think that's a good start. <laughs> Sometimes you can't, though. There are people who are shut-ins. There are, there are people who watch us online and listen to these messages every week that can't get out of their homes for health reasons and for disabilities and things like that. And, and I know that. And I am thankful they join us how they can join us. In some ways, they're assembling distantly. We've all heard that, right? <laughs> Over in the COVID years of doing things remotely. But... Really, that's not how we were intended to be as, as humans or as Christians, even more specifically. We're to assemble together. And there, the purpose of that is it's always better, better to be together because there's that synergy effect that it's multiplied or compounded as people who are obedient and following the Lord stir one another on and encourage one another on. And this is what he says, as is the manner of some... But exhorting one another. That exhortation is, is, is like encouraging. And the picture and the word that is used here is of a leader who is out in front of the troops saying, Charge! Let's go! We can do this! And look what it says. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. What's that day? Well, the day of the Lord. It's understood there, but... It's really that day that our days end, too, when we see the Lord. I see the day approaching. I look in the mirror, and, and you know, it's been a long time since I can remember I had hair. But, you know, every year I look a little bit closer. and there's a, I saw myself five years ago, and I almost had, I had gray, but not much. 
in my beard. It's pretty much all gray now. You know what it tells me? The day's approaching. The day's approaching. Wow. Celebrate 30 years of marriage this year. Wow. Good day. But it reminds me that the next 30 years, it might be over just as quick, and, and I'm in my 80s in 30 years. How does that go like that? Boom, boom. It's okay. God's still with you if you're in your 80s. Amen? But as you see the day approaching, how much more people should be there with you, encouraging you along and saying, keep going. You charge. You do it. You be a disciple that Christ honors. And then lastly, know his will. Know his will. That's what he says. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Pretty simple command, anyways. Understand what the will of the Lord is. <laughs> I think part of it is, as we have already talked about redeeming the time, that's part of the will of God. We're to take our life and make it worth something and not just waste lots of years. Or days, or seconds. Some don't live lots of years. Some do. I read of a person, 104 years old, they, they uh, set a record jumping out of an airplane with a, with a parachute. You know? And I thought, 104 years old, wow, jumping out of airplanes. I mean, that's great. Lived full life. And that's a great way, you know, to, to, I guess, get exhilarated and hopefully land properly and all that. How are you living for the Lord? Are you still like saying, hey, I'm ready to go. Let's jump, you know? Let's do it. Let's do it. Understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, back in 1988 when I graduated from high school, there was a survey done. And this is what the survey came up with. It was uh, how much like time we spend throughout our course of our average lifespan, all right? And what we do, and, and, and it says in, in this survey, 1988, six months we, we will spend of our life sitting at stoplights. Probably in Madawaska you don't have quite that bad. <laughs> Although customs makes up for it probably, I don't know. But, uh, eight months opening junk mail. Now it's spam, right? One year looking for misplaced objects. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, it's not so bad misplacing things. It's when you find it and you don't know what it is. That's, you know, that, that's always bad. Two years unsuccessfully returning phone calls. Four years doing housework. There you go. Probably for some of you it's more. Maybe some for less. I don't know. But four years of your life. Five years waiting in a line. Six years eating. Wow. So... I said, well, I'm going to update this to some 35 years later, almost 36 years later. What do we spend our time at now? And there's a lot of the same things, but we add now screen time. In a two, 2023 research um, poll from Data Reportal, they surveyed... 
screen time users or computer users, phones, all that stuff, uh, your devices, from ages 16 to 64. So we're only talking a, spirit, a period of 48 years of somebody's lifespan. But they came up with this, that the average person this year will spend an average, okay, again, six hours and 37 minutes a day looking at their screen. Now, maybe your job requires some of that and other things. I'm not saying that it's all unimportant, but there's a lot of wasted time, isn't there? Do you know that if you just take that 48 years that you may do that for over six hours a day, you come up with 6,960,000 minutes or 13 years of your life that will be spent looking at a screen. Whoa. Whoa. Maybe in 2023, we should look a little less at the screens and more open up our eyes and and look around. Look around, because we need to. We need to look out there and see what God is doing. The real things, the important things, not the fantasy things. And and all of us, I'm guilty of this. I get sucked into something, and then I'm watching a funny video, and there's another funny video, and there's that. And all of a sudden, you spend all your time for what? That convicts me. I was figuring this out last night, doing my math stuff, and, and I'm thinking, this is, this is serious. Resolutions. The psalmist says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Maybe send, spend a little more time reading your Bible. And you can do that on a screen. We do it on the wall. <laughs> Read your Bible, though. It's there. First Chronicles 16, 11, Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face evermore. The word evermore means forever. Seek His face. Today, have you gone before the Lord and said, Lord, I want to seek you today. And not let go of that passion until you have learned more of him and sat at his feet today and said, God, I'm better for being with you. Do that on a daily basis. What other things are the will of God? 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This year, going into 2024, I mean, I'd say start today. Be more thankful. Be more thankful. I find it harder to be thankful. And yet, we have more to be thankful for. Amen. Amen. 2 Timothy 2.15 Be diligent to present yourself approved for God or to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that's that whole idea of getting in the Bible and and discerning things properly. Don't let somebody only spoon feed you. Because if you do that, there'll be always someone ready to spoon feed you a lie. And can I encourage you to learn to feed yourself on the Word of God? And that involves really some basic study things, but it involves time. It involves diligence. That's what it says. Be diligent. (laughs) That means that 
you're, you're saying, well, I'm not going to just accept what that pastor said, you know. I'm going to dig into the scripture. And I'm going to look at what the Bible says. You'll always find somebody out there with your opinion. You'll know that. But the Bible is not like that. It tells you what is truth. And sometimes my opinion doesn't match the Bible. And one of us has to take, you know, you have to move. And God's word's not going to move. It endures forever. I have to move. Get into the Bible. And that's what he says. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Ecclesiastes 10.2 A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. <clears throat> the idea there of the place of honor, uh, the right hand. And we know who's seated at the right hand of God the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. That's my daily prayer for my kids. And I say, Lord, direct them. Direct them today. And my grandkids too now. And God has shown me that He can direct our paths in ways that we couldn't do. And I'm always amazed at those divine appointments he lines up for us that only God can do. Yeah. And it's really exciting when you've prayed and you said, Lord, guide us, and then he does. Because you say he answers prayer. And then we looked at this verse last week, I think, and this is part of the will of God too. Micah 6.8 He has shown you, O man, what is good. I might add, what is good and the will of God? But what does the Lord require of you but to do justly? That's to be fair. We need fair people. Not that we'll just kowtow to everything, but fair people. To love mercy. That's extending a hand of grace and mercy to people in need or somebody that's just going through a hard time maybe. God is good that way. And to walk humbly with your God. I think that's, a, as I said last week, that's, that's a great mission verse right there for you and me. And then, you know, the last one is this, that part of the will of God is, as I've already mentioned, going and making disciples. It says that go therefore and make disciples of some nations. No, all nations, all ethnicities. That's exactly what it, the, the word there is, ethnos. And it means to go there and it's make, nation, make disciples of all peoples everywhere. That's part of the great commission of Christ. He's commissioned us to do that. And we are to do that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he promises to go with us all the way. Oh, I'm thankful for that. I don't know what you have resolved for this year. But I hope that maybe in this little time we've shared these few seconds together of your day that maybe you've picked up some things you need to resolve to do this new year's father thank you for the word of god and lord we pray even now that this would be a year ahead of us that if you give us full year or if you give us time oh god that you would use it you'd use it in people's lives and i pray oh god that you would work your work as only you can in jesus name amen